Hi, I'm Jack Bailey. Welcome back to the Blue Line Report. I'm so happy to have you back. Uh, we have a great episode for you today, and uh, we're going to be first joined by Ben Ennis from The Good Show on uh, Sportsnet 590, The Fan. How are you doing, Ben? I'm doing all right, Jack. How's it going with you? I'm very good. I'm super excited for this episode. A lot has happened in the last week of sports. Uh, a lot of Leaf stuff. A lot of uh, the dirty Leaf team. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that was surprising to hear Paul Maurice talk about how dirty the Maple Leafs are, who are like bottom 10 in penalties taken this season, who play this finesse game, although I guess they're a little more physical. And yeah, coming off Saturday, maybe you could call them uh, a lot more physical, especially Joe Thornton. Hadn't heard that levied toward this team before, though. The dirty Leafs. Yeah, like Joe Thornton, I mean, he showed a little signs, but even then, he wasn't that, like... He was laying a good hits, but that was just that stuff you'll see in playoff hockey, you know, and I think that's been a very, that's a big knock against the Leafs of the past few years that we're not physical enough. Well, we're physical now. So like, I, I mean, the Galchenyuk kit, iffy. I'm not a huge fan of the Galchenyuk kit. I think that could have been, uh, I didn't think that was a great hit, but other than that, Toronto hasn't played dirty at all. Like I don't, I know, I guess, guess Paul Maurice is angry, I guess. Yeah. Uh, maybe he's just trying to, uh, I don't know, get something started in the media potentially, but for the first time this season, I feel like the Leafs have a legitimate rivalry against somebody in this division, which is good. Uh, this is the whole purpose of bringing in guys like Wayne Simmons, uh, Zach Bogosian before the season, right? This yeah, is what exactly. they've been missing. And who knows if Bogosian's going to be a factor in the playoffs. Hopefully he arrives at some point during the, the first round, but I don't have any issue at all with that level of physicality. In fact, I, I was kind of missing it for the first, whatever, 35, 40 games of the season. We saw it a little bit before Simmons got hurt. I think it was in a fight in his first or second game. And, you know, when he came back, he was just trying to find his game, I think. But now, and it's, it's kind of a, a little bit of a trickle-down effect, too. I don't know if you've noticed that, Jack. There's been a few more uh, scrums in front of nets. There's been a, a couple more times where they've defended the honor of their goalies. I mean, they've had so many goalie injuries this season yeah, that think. anyone comes within a country mile of Jack Campbell should probably – uh, feel it a little bit, you yeah. know, take a yeah. cross check or something. But uh, yeah, this is a, an element of this Leafs team that's been then that's been sorely lacking the last couple of years. Yeah, no, I've I've really enjoyed like seeing them not be afraid to give a little push around like Wayne Simmons, Joe Thornton. And you expect it from those guys and Zach Bogosian, obviously giving it, but just the smaller guys, even just chipping in, Sandine giving that like stand in his ground and the, the reverse hit. The reverse hit. I don't. I don't think he saw that. I don't think he saw that coming because you know Sandini's uh, not a not a big guy, not a guy you expect to go in there full throttle, but he did, and like he came out of that real good. And I, I've just been really impressed, and not necessarily just on our massive guys because you expect Simmons Thornton to do it, but our smaller guys chipping in, and I think it's just showing more team toughness, just showing that you're not going to get the better side. And even, and if we want to retaliate, we're not going to try to pull a cadre on you and get suspended. We're actually going to pull a clean hit on you and we're going to out tough you. So I, I think that's pretty good. Uh, and we're showing, we're playing pretty good. So I've been excited about that. No, it's a good point about the cadre thing because there is a line, right? This yeah. is a team that has been missing that now for a couple of years with the ill-fated Nazem cadre trade, but um, that was their guy. That was their igniter. And he went over the line a couple of times in back-to-back postseasons, and it cost him his Maple Leaf career. I think he's uh, just fine in Colorado. Yeah, Things okay. are working out okay for him. But, yeah, a guy that, uh, in retrospect, you would certainly love to have to add that element and also a guy that can score 30 goals. But 
yeah, to the point about Sandine and some of the not typical tough guys on this team, uh, adding that, or at least not being afraid to, to, to get into the dirty areas. That's a mindset thing, right? That's, that's part of it. It's a trickle down effect. It's not just one guy who is an enforcer who can't play hockey, whose sole job is to rattle some bones in his three minutes a game. It's a, it's an entirely, it's supposed to be a permeating thing throughout this lineup that they're a little tougher to play against in all respects not just physically but you know in a in a close checking one goal game that they can outweigh you and uh and come away with wins that they couldn't in five games against the columbus blue jackets a season ago so a few games ago uh, against vancouver we lost a big part of our toughness in zach hyman with the knee on knee hit uh he alex edler only got two games do you think he probably should have gotten more it's a tough one. I think Elliot Friedman did a good job on the broadcast of, of showing some pretty similar hits that got pretty similar punishments. I think two games was fine. I also heard, you know, Kevin BX, I had a great point too. I, yeah, you got to be suspended. You have to be accountable for your body. You have to be accountable for your stick. Even if you don't intend to high stick somebody sticking <laughs> your stick in somebody's eye results in a penalty, whether yeah. it's two or four or more than that. And you got to be responsible for your leg, but I get it. It was the end of a, what, a three minute shift, something oh, crazy like that. And he just reacted in the moment. I don't think it was necessary. I mean, you're parsing what you, what you think the term um, intentional means, but I don't think he had malicious intent. Like, I don't think he, Edler went out of his way to, he saw Zach Hyman and he's like, here's a, here's a crucial part of the Leafs team. And I'm going to take out his knee and maybe yeah. end his season. I don't think that's what happened, but you're responsible for for your body and you're responsible for a play like that. I thought two games was was about right for that. I think because, uh, uh, sorry, Bieksa put it uh, great in the sense of not many players want to try knee on knee hit because you know no. you could be you could come out of that hit on the end on the wrong side of that. So sure. never hit and anyone wants to be in. I think unfortunately, I think two games is good. And I know they're not going to count this, but it's not his first time being suspended right. for a knee, knee, knee on knee. Now, his last time against the Eric Stahl was on the world stage. So the NHL, of course, isn't going to count that. But I just think, you know, two games to probably take Zach Hyman out, probably one of our one of our most uh, important players on the ice. He's the fixer. Zach Hyman goes anywhere, yeah. right? Oh, Top he's line, third line he's the driver on that line him and Ilya Mikheyev it doesn't matter who you throw between them seemingly Alex Kerfoot or Pierre Engvall or now Adam Brooks has kind of found himself in the lineup yeah uh the last couple of games as well but those two together and I think it's mostly Zach Hyman he's going to be rewarded with a big fat contract at the end of this year yeah can't afford to to not have that guy in the postseason but looks like uh should be back in time for the playoffs so, yeah, speaking of contract, what do you think he's going to get? Or what do you think the ballpark? Of Boy, it is tough, Jack. And I, this has been my go-to response on that, is that I am glad I'm not Kyle Dubas because I am such a fanboy of, of Zach Hyman ever since he was the, the shining beacon when they finished 31st and uh, he and, and Nylander arrived and they were the first pieces on that team that you thought, holy cow, this is something. These are, these are actually going to be players that are here when this mm -hmm. team becomes good. And you thought he would just be an igniter type, right? A third, fourth line guy who would give you energy, who would be a, uh, a tough four checker. And all of a sudden he's discovered this, this scoring ability, which is not a fluke now. I mean, the idea of him 
scoring 20 goals, especially obviously if he gets time on the, the Matthews Marner line, he, he does everything for this team playing on the power play playing on the penalty kill playing when you're defending a one goal lead six on five against an empty net in the, the final seconds of a hockey game. I mean, it, it almost feels like it starts at 5 million a year for Zach Hyman, who knows with the flat cap and, and the mm-hmm. pandemic, how that impacts things, but there's going to be some gymnastics. The Leafs are going to have to go through to, to try and get them under contract for the foreseeable future, but it's something yeah, I, again, I'm glad I'm not negotiating it because I'd be a sucker and I'm already on record as saying I'd almost give him whatever it took. But if there was one guy that you felt like would take a bit of a discount and you're not asking him to take two million bucks or something, no, right? Although you thought Marner would be the guy too. It turned out <laughs> not to be the case. But if Zach Hyman's not going to do it, no one's going to do it. And that's also possible that nobody does it. But uh, yeah, I think if you can get Zach Hyman under a, a five-year, $25 million deal, I think you, you're pretty happy. Yeah, I think Zach Hyman, is, I think a really big asset that Toronto can offer to Hyman is term because with Hyman's just the play style, he's not going to be a 10-plus year player. He's not going to have a crazy long career, just the way he plays. And well, he's pushing 30 already as it is, Jack, too. Exactly, right? so he's not going to have much – He's not going to be in the NHL for a long time. So I think what Toronto can do, and I think they can have use this as a big bargaining chip is, hey, maybe instead of giving you $5 million for two years, we give you $4 million for four years, you know? Yeah, uh, I think they've already crunched the numbers. I think they're already, I mean, they're focused on this season, obviously. But I think Kyle Dubas has a pretty good idea uh, of the market, of the teams that will be interested probably already had communication with Zach Hyman's representatives and has an idea of, of the moves he's going to have to make the ancillary moves, whether that's moving off of an Alex Kerfoot or, or whatever, or a Morgan Riley headed into his walk year. Uh, yep. And then Freddie or Freddie Anderson coming off the books, obviously next mm-hmm. year too. Yeah. There's, a, there's a, yeah. This is going to be a big off season for this team. Uh, it almost doesn't matter what they do if they win a Stanley cup though. <laughs> Yeah, of course. Hey, you, you trade everyone. I don't care. We win the cup. Done. I don't care. Uh, but Toronto has a, like quite a few uh, contracts coming off. Like I believe they have somewhere around like 10 contracts coming off the books. Obviously, Hyman being the big, big one, but uh, Simmons, Felino, Galchenyuk, Spezza, who knows about Thornton if he comes back or if he just retires, uh, and of course, Frederick Anderson. So it should be interesting to see. We have a lot of cap coming off the books. So hopefully, I think priority A1 is we sign Hyman and bring him back no matter what, mm-hmm. unless he asks for seven. And I think he could get seven. Not on the Toronto Maple Leafs. If he gets seven, good for you, man. Like, hey, you did great here. We're going to miss you. You're not going to get seven on the Leafs, unfortunately. I do think a player of his caliber, though, if there's a team that really wants him, I think he could potentially get seven or 6.5 or something around there. I mean, that's it's the million-dollar question, mm-hmm. uh, no pun intended is whether there's somebody who's, I mean, who's not paying attention to the Leafs, especially what they've done this season, but has paid attention to his career and understanding that it goes beyond the numbers, even though the numbers are good, that he is a tone setter. And we talk about culture and the Leafs have brought in more of those guys this year, but he was, if you had 20 Zach Hyman's, you'd be all right. Uh, I think you'd be a playoff team. Uh, (laughs) 
Um, but that if he wants to cash in big time, if he wants to roll the dice on that type of a move, it's possible it's out there. Um, I, I think that cooler heads are going to prevail. And I, I was not as optimistic going into the Marner negotiations. I wasn't as optimistic going into the Nylander uh, negotiations. It's just, I think everybody understands where their best, their, their best option is together. Zach Hyman understands that it's not just about the money that he's going to earn in salary uh, from the Toronto Maple Leafs, that he has a lot of other earning potential in Toronto, uh, whether it's advertisements, um, things outside of hockey that he yeah, can do to make up the whatever million, two million bucks playing mm -hmm. in Columbus. It won't be Columbus, but yeah, yeah. I, I, I think the idea, getting yourself worked up about him departing the Leafs, I think from everything I I feel and the organization has said, is it's probably um, you're wasting your anxiety a bit on that one. Yeah, fair enough. Like I, I, I hope he doesn't leave. I, I, I think he will stay though. I think four million, five million. I'm hoping for probably five is probably the most reasonable expectation there. But I, I think if we can lock him up, then we keep the core. And losing at the end of the day, you know, uh, for the expansion draft, if we lose Hall, it will suck. If we lose Dermot, it will suck. But it's not the end of the world. We have our core intact, and Hyman is a part of that core. And as long as we can keep pieces outside of the core, you can, unfortunately, it's as unfortunate as to say, you can replace Hall, or you can replace a Dermot. You can't replace a Zach Hyman, or you can't replace a John Tavares or an Austin Matthews. Or as long as we keep the core together, I think we should be good. So uh, well, I think what they've also proven, Jack, and I think it's happened this year. I mean, it happened started happening uh with jason spezza is that these veterans who are at the tail end of their career who still have a little bit of something left that understand what's happening here and that the the narrative can be so positive for you especially to to wrap up your career um and i know the narrative wasn't so great around thornton when he was going 20 some odd games without a point but mm. now he's back in everybody's good graces <laughs> even if he's not scoring though and even when he wasn't scoring it's not his job. He's getting all that social media pub. Everybody loves him. He's good for a good quote. He's protected by the guys who take the bullets at the top of this lineup. Him and Spezza, I think, are showing the template. Mike Babcock talked about this when he arrived in Toronto to take over as the, the head coach of this team, that people are going to come home. The Ontario guys who grew up watching this Leafs team are going to take less to play ancillary roles on this team. And it's a good way to, to fill out the rest of your roster because you're always going to be top heavy, especially in the forward ranks. Yeah, I think having having being Toronto is a major advantage aside like should be. It it yeah, it and I know you're in Ottawa, but it should be. Yeah, I'm a, so okay, so I'm just going to put this aside for a second. I'm a Leafs fan, if you couldn't yeah. tell, using we when I talk yeah. about the Leafs. So I'm a Leafs fan, my dad's a Leafs fan, so yeah, that's why I'm a Leafs fan even though I'm in Ottawa. But yeah. Yeah, that must be tough for you. You just got back from school. Do you do you hear it? from your your classmates well, i mean uh, sorry we're all in digital school well, yes but oh i've heard i've heard it my whole life like all my friends sense fans all my friends either habs fans or sense fans 
there's barely any Leafs in it. Like, I know when you watch a Sens game in Ottawa, and that's Leafs Sens, like 75% of the building is Toronto. But kids, my age, Sens fans. So I, I hear it quite a bit, and I've been been very happy with the last few years because, you know, earlier than 2016, wasn't fun going to talking about hockey. It's no, I'll bet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but nah. hey, we're good now, and Ottawa's not, not in great shape right now. But do, do you like Ottawa's rebuild and how they've handled all of that? Yeah, I mean, there were some real tough moments when you're yes. finishing where you finish and you got to give up draft picks. But, I mean, getting the base of, of Kachuk and Shabbat, I mean, they're not the worst team in this division right now. Who would you rather be, the Ottawa Senators or the Vancouver Canucks? And I know Pedersen's been out, so that's a tough one. But they're, it's at least a question mark, right? Yeah, true. It, like, at the start of the season, it was no doubt, like, Vancouver. I had Vancouver placing second in this division. I thought they were going to do really well this year even yeah. though they did lose pieces like markstrom they still have demko who's pretty good mm-hmm. and a pretty solid backup in holpe yeah and holpe has turned it on again yeah. uh yeah um he's channeling his former self uh when he was a member of the washington capitals i mean anything can happen and this is this is sports and there's no sport that's more unpredictable than hockey in the national hockey league but Especially considering where the Senators were a couple of years ago, uh, I think things are are, are looking looking up in, in Sens land. It's certainly something that you can see ending up positively in a couple of years. Yeah, I think, but Ottawa did the right thing, and they blew up the team. At like 2017, they were in the conference finals. It took three years for every single player on that team to be gone. So... They have major turnover, but I think they've done a good job here and they need to find pieces though. Yeah. And as, as rough as the return for Eric Carlson looked at the time, I I think uh, having Eric Carlson under that term, probably not feeling good to be a Sharks. There's another one. Who would you rather be the Sharks or the Ottawa Senators right now? Yeah. Sense. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Probably. That was an awful return at the time, but like Stutzel, Brown, and Tierney for Carlson, that's a pretty good haul because Stutzel is their franchise guy. Yep. So Yeah, so you got Stutzel, you got uh, Kachuk, and you got Shabbat. There's worse guys to, to build a franchise around than those three. Of course, of course. Now, my only worry for Ottawa is, is Stutzel, Kachuk, um, uh, Shabbat enough to build around to potentially try to go for a cup? And yeah, sorry, go ahead. No, I was just going to say yes. You would need more than three players for sure. But <laughs> uh, I think we're talking about, I mean, we've seen it already with so little around it. Like Stutzla jumps off the screen when he plays and Shabbat's yeah. already playing 30 minutes a game and locked up long-term for that franchise. I think if you're a Sens fan, you, yeah, I, I think you're you're excited. Even this season, I think you're excited to watch this team this year, oh, to, yeah. to watch them compete. And, and play the better teams in this division as, as tough as they have and, and tooth and nail and be right there with teams that had real aspirations of getting out of this division. Like you said, Vancouver wasn't project, pro, projected, predicted to finish outside of the top four when we started uh, this season, but they're clearly there. And, and to, to have the conversation about how close those teams are in the standings, the Ottawa Senators, who we, we thought would just, Maybe not quite be what the Buffalo Sabres are this year, but not out of the realm of possibility. I mean, who who would you have predicted to finish higher in the standings preseason? The the Senators or the Sabres? And I think Buffalo, it's, it's 100%. yeah, it's the it's the team that paid eight million dollars to Taylor Hall. I would think. 
Yeah. And you're not at all that. You're you're not a laughing stock. Teams don't take you for granted. They don't just write the W on the calendar when they see that game mm-hmm. coming up. And already that's a that, that's this is really early in the the building process for that team to already be the the plucky underdog team with with uh, with an enjoyable game to watch for 60 minutes at this point in the in the rebuild. I think Sens fans have to be pretty happy about that. Yeah, no, I think they've done a great job. My only doubt with this team is, assuming they go back to the Atlantic Division, who of Toronto, Tampa, Boston, Florida, Montreal are you replacing? Yeah, that's a tough one. It's a tough division. It's very top-heavy. Very top-heavy division. you got to recalibrate your whole thinking going back to, yeah, playing not just the Canadian teams. (laughs) True. Yeah, it it should be interesting. No doubt. They have done a really good job. And uh, speaking of Taylor Hall and trades, what do you think of the trade deadline? What did you think of the Leafs moves or just Canadian moves in general? I I think you couldn't have drawn it up better for the Leafs, honestly, with what they got in in, in Nick Foligno. And we talked about the physical play that they've shown, the, the difference in defensive tenacity that this Leafs team has shown this year, that they're not pushovers that they're not allowing five two on ones a game that you would lean harder into that with Felino mm-hmm. as opposed to a guy. And this is, you know, this is a topic we did on the show today that Alex Galchenyuk has looked pretty good offensively. And the numbers across the board will show you that Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner have been slightly better with Alex Galchenyuk, that John Tavares and William Nylander have been slightly better offensively with Alex Galchenyuk. But he's been on the ice for eight goals against in his last five games. And defensively, it's been a tough go, especially recently for Alex Galchenyuk. And that was his his rep coming into the, the Toronto Maple Leafs after he spent time briefly with a thousand other teams this year. Yeah. But what would you lean into if you had to make a decision? If you're making this Leafs lineup, if you're writing down the lines going into the postseason for a series against the Montreal Canadiens in the first round, what are you what are you leaning towards? Offense or keeping the puck out of your own net, especially considering the question marks that they have in goal, whether it's Anderson, who was apparently a full participant in practice today, or Jack Campbell. It is defense. You're leaning defense, defense, defense. And even though at the time of the trade, Nick Felino, I think, had five more goals than Taylor Hall at the time, <laughs> yeah. he's obviously not the better offensive player of at course. this point in his but. career. But defensively, even in this down year for a bad team at an advanced age he's shown to be a pretty solid defender and I think we've seen that at times uh since he's arrived here I think Riley Nash is going to be a really interesting addition here as well if he can get healthy for the postseason uh another guy that can play center that can maybe anchor that third line if Felino ends up down there or next to Zach Hyman and Ilya Mikheyev I think it was a really deft trade deadline from Kyle Dubas adding Ben Hutton on the back end as well I mean I don't think we saw maybe Rasmus Sandin emerging as this guy that almost is forcing his way into the lineup for game one of the postseason even if Zach Bogosian's healthy but you didn't want to you didn't want to need Rasmus Sandin to be this right you needed a little bit of insurance in that regard the the Riddick thing (laughs) at this point yeah I, I think it's you're parsing if you yeah. have an opinion over Riddick or Hutchison as far as the who the, who the third goalie is on this team. I, I, I'm not going to fight either way. Like Both I'm guys scared. have been 
pretty brutal at times. Well, if it gets to that point, it's an unmitigated disaster to begin exactly. with, Jack. But uh, I think they plugged all the holes they needed to plug. And, and Nick Foligno, another Ontario guy, even though he's born in the United States, call him a Sudbury guy. You just add to the core of, of Canadians that care, that care. There's just a lot of guys on this team that seem to care. I, I think it was a great deadline for Kyle Dubas. I thought it was a great deadline. I think an underrated trade was the Anthony Swamala and uh, Alexander Barabanov. And not for the sense of we're getting Swamala, who could be a piece that could potentially break into our lineup, but more of just the overall sense of the trade. In the in Kyle Dubas has been making these trades, and it's seemingly for the past like few years, of if a KHL player, if a guy who came over from the KHL can't fit into the lineup, they're flipping them to another team that will use him. For example, Barabanov Swamella. Barabanov will 100% get playing time in San Jose. So I think that's, I think that's just showing and building relationship and with agents over in the KHL, with teams and franchises over in the KHL, and most importantly, the players in the KHL. They see, oh, I have a chance to make Toronto, but if I can't, they will flip me to another team. And I think that's just building trust. And another example would be Miko Lettinen going to Columbus yeah, for sure. Benny Vihalainen. Um, Wow, that's incredible. I've never heard anyone pronounce a double V as well as you just did. Well done. <laughs> I, I just I just defer to calling him double V. You're absolutely right. The things can't be viewed in a vacuum. Would you have loved to have Miko Lettinen sitting in the freezer ready to go? Because he showed some offensive flair at times. Yeah. Given an opportunity, Probably. and they went with seven defensemen for a little bit to fit him in there. That'd be a nice guy to stash away, but you're right. You can't think about only the present day you have to think about continuing to to build those relationships and they've done a good job i mean for every igor ozhiganov there is a uh nelia mikhaev right <laughs> so yeah you 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 can't just view things as a, acquiring assets and not thinking about the human side of things we want to do especially as fans you want to sit back and just look at the roster and are the the leafs better with double v as opposed to to letting probably not like again who, who doesn't want another defenseman who can move the puck? Everyone would like that, especially if you, if you can just throw him in there as your seventh, eighth defenseman. But there is the, the, the outside of the now that you need to think about. And I think Kyle Dubas is definitely considering his relationships overseas when he, when he pulls off a move like that. Yeah, especially if you're trading a seventh, eighth defenseman for fifth, maybe sixth goaltender. Yeah. Yeah, like, who knows? It'd be so goaltending chart. Let's talk that. You got Anderson's your one. Do you do you think Anderson's everyone's healthy? Do you think Anderson's the starter for the start of this playoffs? Boy, it's tough, Jack. That's that is a tough, tough question because from our understanding and everyone we've talked to and everyone that's written about the subject, it really feels like somebody's going to have to go on LTIR and, and Zach Bogosian's not going to be enough for it. It's going to have to be Zach Hyman's going to have to go on LTIR to even bring Anderson back before the end of the regular season, which means, so what do you want? Do you want Zach Hyman not playing in a regular season game before starting the playoffs in game one, or would you rather have your starting goaltender not playing a single game before game one of the playoffs? Cause you can't even send him down to the AHL in a conditioning uh, stint without yeah. freeing up cap Maybe. space. He counts against the cap. If he's with the Marlies, if he's with the Leafs, I think at this point, and we, we've gone through ebbs and flows. And if you had asked me the couple of weeks ago when Jack Campbell was winning 11 in a row, would I have said uh, Frederick Anderson is your game one starter? <laughs> Probably not. I would have said it's Jack Campbell and he's bounced back nicely from that. 
and and he's he's fine. I think the way you're going to see it done, whoever starts game one, and at this point, it feels like the the needle is trending towards Anderson. If he's getting healthier by the day and a full participant, even if he has to just step in there game one as the starter, that whoever it is going to have a super short leash that they're going to have multiple goaltenders involved in the postseason. Ideally you figure out who's the hottest goalie through these first two rounds of knock on wood, North division playoffs, because Yes, anything can happen in the postseason, but I think if we've learned anything over these almost now 50 games, the Leafs are the best team in this division. It doesn't mean they're going to win the two series to get out of it, but they're pretty clearly the best team in the division with the winning record against everybody except for the Vancouver Canucks, and they still have a couple of games left against them. But that uh, Anderson is probably your game one starter because if you're activating him and he's the backup anyways, he's going to have to jump in there cold. So why not give him the first kick at the can? And honestly, I don't know if you're a baseball fan, but big baseball it, fan. Yeah. yeah, in the postseason, you see this all the time, right? Where your starter in the regular season, your starting pitcher gets a little bit more leash because it's a long season. It's 162 games and he's going to make 30 starts and you try and protect your bullpen. So if you give up a couple runs in the first inning in May, you're coming back out there for the second inning and Mm -hmm. you know maybe you have a rough start where you give up three four five runs but you go six or seven innings and you help your team out that doesn't happen in the playoffs especially in like a game seven of the playoffs where if your starter walks the leadoff man in the first inning of a playoff game you're already getting the bullpen up and running if frederick anderson starts game one against the montreal canadians and he allows two soft goals maybe that's it for him Maybe 20 minutes of hockey, all of a sudden Jack Campbell's back in there and he plays well. He starts game two. I think whatever, whoever gets the, the, yeah, the, the start in game one is not necessarily who's going to get the start in game four, five, six, or seven. Yeah, and I think, I think that's also dangerous. I think you take a look at Columbus last year. We got to Corpusella, and then Merz Lincolns came in and he played really well. And yeah. so they had that tandem. So even if we go with the starter of um, of Campbell, teams have to know that, hey, on the bench is waiting Frederick Anderson, who's a pretty freaking good goalie. So, you know, I think that's also an asset that you can have. And if I'm the Leafs right now, what I do is I sit Campbell until, like, I sit uh, Anderson and Campbell till like, five games left. And I just ride out Riddick and Hutchison. We're making the playoffs so, like, just get them rest. Get them rest into the last five Not games. the worst idea, considering how injury-prone Jack Campbell's been throughout his entire career. Because you look at the numbers, exactly. save percentage is good. Goals against has been good for his entire career. He's been the backup, which is a different deal and a different pressure True. and a different workload. But it's also not shown the ability to stay healthy, which is, I mean, that's why you're going out and in-season acquiring two separate goaltenders. Yeah. Because you've, you've been so so hit by the injury bug badly in your in your goaltending ranks he he's i don't think he i think he's clearly not 100 percent right now so give him an extra rest like what toronto's definitely shown that they can win with david riddick or michael hutchison they've done it before and if if we lose if we lose every game mm. well here's the other thing kid. here's the other thing jack that you haven't considered I think there's four games against the Montreal Canadiens still remaining this season for the Leafs. And the Canadians are still, I, I 
somehow find themselves in a dogfight to even make the playoffs yeah because they can't beat the calgary weird. flames and the vancouver canucks have a trillion games in hand because of their covid shutdown that you gotta win if you're the montreal canadians and i don't know about you and obviously as a leaf fan you want to beat the Montreal Canadiens, but I want to see the Montreal Canadiens. Don't you? Don't you want to see the Leafs and Habs, especially in a first-round series, as sure. devastating as it might be to lose that series? Again, it's devastating for wow. the Leafs to lose to anybody in these in these in these two in these first two rounds. And as frightening as, even though he's not the same guy, Carey Price would be to go into a, a postseason series against. Yeah, I, I, you're quite a bit younger than me. But I haven't, I haven't seen it in my lifetime. I was really close in the early 90s. Um, I, these two teams meeting in the cup final in 93 and we're a, a, a Wayne Gretzky high stick away from potentially, <laughs> uh, potentially something different. But I would love to see, and I wish there were fans in the stands to see it, but I am, I'm rooting, strangely enough, and I wonder how I'll feel when they actually take to the ice against each other in those four games before the end of the season, if it's, if it's in doubt still. But yeah. I, I want to see the Montreal Canadiens in these games. So, yeah, feed David Riddick to the Wolves, I say. Yeah, Flames fans are listening to this like, no, no, put yeah. Campbell in, put Anderson I... in, put Brick Wall in. But, like, yeah, I, I think if you get those guys rest, and, then, and, of course, bring them back before the season. You don't want to have them going cold into the playoffs. But I think if you can take them and just give them rest, see, see what happens. If Montreal wins, great. If Montreal loses, great. It doesn't matter. It really doesn't matter for the Leafs. We either play the Flames or the Montreal Canadiens. I have a very good feeling against both of them. Now that will someone will clip that when we lose to either the Flames and the Canadians in the first round, and that will be played on social media against me. But until then, I, I feel very confident against either team. So you just give your goaltending start. Uh, give your goaltending rest, and I think rest has never hurt anyone. So I, I think that's what you need to do. That would be my, my, what I would do if I was Keith, but who knows? Yeah. seems unlikely that they're going to go entirely that route with the, the resting of, of, of players and goaltending is definitely different than, than a, a skater. When you're talking about getting in-game reps and, and feeling the puck and, and getting your hands back into game shape. You see this all the time with skilled players. It takes them a couple games to get back. I don't know if it's the same with goaltenders. I don't think they're going to quite do that. Uh, I think the LTIR thing with, with Anderson is a, is a really interesting wrinkle into to how many games you can even, even if you wanted to play True. him down the stretch. Yeah. It should be interesting to see what the Leafs do. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. I had a great time. Yeah. Thanks for having me, Jack. Yeah. Before we let you go, I just want to plug your social medias. Oh yes, gotta plug the social medias. Plug it. <laughs> uh, yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at Sportsnet Ben. I'm on Instagram as well. I'm, I'm not very good at posting on Instagram, but I am there at uh, bns01. N- not on TikTok yet. I'll leave that <laughs> to you, Jack. Jack, you can take control of TikTok. All right, your generation can all have right, TikTok. Cool. I got that. Well, all thank right. you so much again. I really appreciate it. No problem. Thanks, we'll be right buddy. back after this break. Now, welcome back to the show. I'm not going to be joined by uh, J.D. Bunkus, uh, the host of the uh, cool. Sorry, I'm going to try that over again. Take your time, bro. Now, welcome back to the show. I'm now going to be joined by uh, J.D. Bunkus, the host of the good show on Sports Five, Sportsnet 590 The Fan. Now you're wondering, hey, you just interviewed the host of the good show. Well, they're co-hosts. So uh, thanks for coming on. 
you better put my interview first. You can edit that out and put me first. I'm <laughs> always- right, I'll put you first. Right? That's right. I am before, here's what I promise you. This will be way better than the Ben interview, all right? Like, wow. you're, you're, you're honestly going to be like, those two guys do the same job? Those two guys <laughs> like get the, the same pay? No, can't possibly be. Obviously, all right, the second right. guy is way, way, way better and way more important to the show. And you would be right. It's a lot of high stakes on this interview then. Yeah, it's a lot. It's a lot the of high presence stakes. presence of greatness right here. Thank you. Thank you. It's all good, buddy. So yeah, uh, how's it going? I'm very good. Thanks for hopping on. I really appreciate it. And uh, want to start talking some Leafs? Sure. Let's do it. All right. So uh, we were talking uh, in the, earlier in the show about uh, with Ben about um, the goaltending situation and about how how strange it is about how the Leafs usually playoff teams, especially first place teams, already know who their starter is going into game one, where Toronto doesn't necessarily know who that is. Who do you think it should be game one? If Freddie Anderson's healthy, I should think it should be him. I think that he's earned enough with this team to be given a game, especially considering the Leafs should be heavy favorites against whoever they get. And if it's not game one, I'm not going to be heartbroken about it. Um, I think Jack Campbell has done enough to give this team a chance to win. He's proven that he's got the capability, certainly skill-wise, to handle the position. But for me, if you're just saying, hey, who's got the highest upside, who's got the highest ceiling, who's done the most, who's a bigger part of this core and where they're currently at, I would say that it's Freddie Anderson. You're an Ottawa guy though, right? I am. I, I'm from Ottawa, but I, I am a Leafs fan just because of my family. Okay. Okay, that's cool. Because I lived in Ottawa too. I went to school at Carlton. So, oh, cool. Uh, yeah, like I, I used to live in the Glebe. I did that whole thing. So, nice. well, I just, I, that's just so classic Ottawa. You know, you're an Ottawa guy and you love the Leafs. That's just the way it is. I love 100%. it. Hey, if you've ever, I'm assuming you've been to a Sens game before, but well, I've been to many Sens games. Oh, if you've yeah. ever been to a Leafs Sens game in Ottawa, 75% of the fans, all Leafs jerseys. It's oh, amazing. Yeah. It, oh, it, that's, like, that's pretty fun. So you go and you do the root on the Leafs thing from the games? Yeah. How fun is that? Oh, it's so I, amazing. I that immensely. Like, I miss that so much. Having tons of Leaf fans pour into Ottawa's building is an all-time fun experience that you can have. Yeah, especially because good luck trying to get tickets unless you have, like, a, bo- or a company box or someone mm. gave you the tickets. Good luck trying to get tickets to a Leafs game in Toronto. So this is, is the best next best thing to get a Leafs home game, so... Almost worth it more to drive to Ottawa and get the ticket there and go yeah. see the game with your fellow Leafs fans and get to do the go Leafs go chance. Right. So, well, I, when I was in university there, it was basically senators pounding Leafs in the dust every single game. Um, yeah, no. <laughs> you know, what sucks is that you have no idea. How old are you? 13? Uh, yeah, I'm 13. So even though I'm 13, I've, I've experienced three game sevens. Uh, yeah. a Washington defeat, which wasn't really painful than last year. So you're doing, you're doing all right. See, uh, yeah, I, yeah, I haven't experienced much, but like I've experienced pain for the Leafs. But it's been good. See, you might get a cup like early on. You're gonna be like, "What's the fuss about? What's the right? fuss?" About? Seems like a pretty good time to be at least fan to me. I've had yeah. nothing but upside, nothing but positive. You exactly. don't know the struggle, young Jack. <laughs> hey, been- like the earliest hockey memory, probably probably was the winter classic in the big house like okay. 2014 so i like i experienced two painful years and that's like it so I, i'm very lucky in that sense oh i want that though i want hope for the you know 
they say you want the world to just be left better than where you found it. And that's all I hope for young Leaf fans is that you guys don't have to live the life that I lived, where it's just the 67 chance and the just pummeling that you get from other fan bases and disappointing playoff exits. I hope that your life is full of nothing but Stanley Cups and that you are just like one of the faces of the, there's a little kid in Boston that only knew, and not that you're a little kid, I know that you're a teenager, but he was young, younger than you when they started to win championships and he became like a meme where it was every championship parade, it was how many that he has experienced. I hope that you become a meme for the Leafs. Let's just put it that way. Hey, like, ah, man, Boston is just such a great sports city to live at. Like, I almost wish sometimes, like, hey, I love the Leafs. Like, I love them to the end of my life. They're great. But, like, hey, I, it wouldn't be awful to be a Bruins fan because they win, like, a lot. Wouldn't, wouldn't be awful. And, to like, a Boston sports fan in general, the Patriots, the Celtics, the, the Red Sox, like, oh, that, that wouldn't be awful. Wouldn't but, be hey, too bad. I'm happy with the Leafs. I got a great team, but yeah. Um, oh, you. you like Freddie or you want Jack? I, okay. So I think Freddie is the better option. I really do. But I think it depends on whether Freddie can get games in the season because if he's healthy, a lot of people just think, well, put him in. But you can't just do that because of LTIR space and the amount of LTIR space he's taking up. Something like $5 million in cap space and something a lot of money like that. So you'd have to clear up quite a bit to get him in the game. So I think if he's cold going, if the goalies are cold going into um, game one, then I think you have to go with Campbell just because he has more experience and he's just the hot hand at the moment. Uh, but if Frederick Anderson can get some, get his foot in the door and start playing a few games right before the season, I think that's who you go, go with because I think Campbell's in a great story, obviously 12 wins, pretty phenomenal story. But I think if you can take him, and Fred, Freddie's your number one guy. He didn't he didn't make five million dollars for nothing. He's not a bum. Like game sevens haven't been his best suit, but during the playoffs, he's been a phenomenal goalie. He's he's won us a few games in the playoffs. Like like I said, game seven's not as strong suit. Rest of the playoffs, game one through six, he's pretty good. So like I think if he's healthy and he's gotten games under his belt, you go with Freddie. If he can't, then you go with Campbell. Yeah, I think that's the right take. And they might be able to get him into the regular season because of the Hyman injury. Because if they put Hyman sure. on LIR, they can put Freddie Anderson in. The Bogosian thing doesn't really do much because he only got a million dollars contract. So it really basically between him and Sandine, the offset is basically the next game. But if Hyman goes on LTIR, then you might see Freddie. And I think that that might happen because Anderson was at practice today and he did his full practice. It wasn't just like, oh, hey, good. the ice for a little while. It was full practice, him in the drills, him doing everything. So I, I would guess that you'll probably get your wish of seeing Freddie Anderson in a regular season game. Now, if I was the Leafs and uh, I was Sheldon Keith and Kyle Dubas, what I would do is for like the next, so let's say we have 15 games left. I'm not hundred percent sure how many games say we have 15 for the next 10 games. I sit out Campbell. I sit out Freddie. I play Riddick and Hutchison. Because what's the worst thing that's going to happen? Worst thing is we lose all those games and we're second or third or fourth. We're still in the playoffs. We're not dropping out of the playoffs. And Toronto's proved that's not going to happen. We're not going to lose 10 straight games with goalies that, like, Riddick's had a few bad starts. Hutchison's had a few bad starts. But these are competent NHL goalies. And Toronto's proven. Toronto's a team that you can, you know, if it's not a great goalie, Toronto can still pull out a few wins. So I say you give Campbell rest because he's clearly not at 100% right now. So I think you give him rest 
and you really just you sit them out until the last five games and you give them a little little touch into the NHL and then playoffs. So this is my take. Hey, well, it's it's a fair take, and I think that you will see more rest down the stretch. It just it looks like the Leafs are probably going to give a couple of guys some nights off, and that includes the starting goaltenders and the way they handle them, right? Even if Freddie Anderson does come back. But it's such a tricky position mentally where you want to have yourself feeling good physically, you want to feel good mentally, that you always have to have a really good communication or a line of communication between your goaltending coach, your organization, and the goalie. And however these guys feel as though they need to play, a lot of them just want the net all the time. Like that's Freddie Anderson's thing, right? He really wants to play every single game. And that's sort of hurt him in the past because he's played through injuries. He's played through cold streaks, whatever. So you've got to have goaltending coaches and sports science departments that are confident enough to say, Hey man, you need a night off here. or We're going to rest you an extra couple of days. So one of pro- I would say actually the most interesting two stories of the rest of the season for the Leafs are going to be, Will Rasmus Sandin look like a top six guy that's undeniable and they can't take him out? And two, will how will they handle the starting goalies if Freddie Anderson comes back? And what kind of minutes will they give each of them? And will they give an opportunity for them to win a job in regular season games, which, like you said, are mostly just um, practices and scrimmages at this point? Of course. Yeah, I think you touched on a great point there. And Sandin, it's going to be interesting to see what happens with him. Like, if he does prove that he can be a prominent top six guy what guy does come out I think a lot of general consensus for a lot of people has been Bogosian coming out but I'm not sure how much I want to take him out of the playoffs he's obviously experienced with the cup last year in Tampa and then he's grit he's a lot of grit he's a tough guy he's he's a guy you don't want to play against and Toronto has a ton of those players you got Simmons Thornton Hyman when he's back like a lot of players that aren't fun to play against. And Bogosian is one of those guys. And I think you just get weaker as like a team toughness if you take him out. So maybe Dermot's on the chopping chopping block. So it'll, it'll be interesting to see who leaves that lineup if Sandine can prove that he's a top six guy. And I think another guy I've been really impressed with uh, coming into the lineup has been Adam Brooks. I've, I've been really hot on this guy ever since like, he was playing in Regina. He had a 130 point season. Uh, he, he was pretty phenomenal player in the WHL and he, I think he got swept under the rug a bit and uh, yeah I've been really happy with his performance so far he's been playing really good and when Hyman comes back I, I think Angval has to go I think Angval is the guy that leaves this lineup because Adam Brooks is playing like he's a top nine player in this NHL so if I ever take time off the show you're going to be able to just kind of step in and seamlessly do the same takes as me. Cause I agree. <laughs> so awesome. stay high, stay high kid ready because yeah, I agree. I'm not really an Engvall guy. I've never really been an Engvall guy. Um, I don't really believe that the coaching staff loves the way that he plays and it's tough when you're big and you're fast to you're held to a different standard than a guy like Brooks, who I think you might be bigger than, but yeah, maybe you might be, but when you're looking at that last spot, because no one has a guarantee for it, right? The way I see it right now, and I did this today on my show, I think that there are 11 forward spots that are locked up. 
And going into game one, you know, if Hyman is healthy, that you're going to have, or assuming that everybody's healthy, that you're going to have 11 guys. And that 12th spot is essentially going to be up for grabs. So if Adam Brooks can carry that play that he's given them so far this season, given limited opportunities, he should probably start game one in the lineup. The thing that the Leafs will probably do, if I had to guess, is stick with the hotline. Whatever works is going to get stuck with, and whoever plays even a slight bit below what they expect from them, they will take out and they will shuffle them through. They've got a bunch of different guys they can give looks to, whether it's Galchenyuk, Brooks, um, uh, Engvall. But ultimately, to me, it's just going to be who's going right at the right time, and that's going to be a fun, basically, audition the rest of the stretch. Yeah, I'm going to be honest. With our forward depth, uh, I don't want to see Swamella in the lineup. I don't like when it comes to playoffs. I don't want to see Swamella. Now this has been a pretty hot take because I know a lot of people want to see what he can do. I don't want to see Riley Nash in the lineup. I think he was brought in as LTIR space, and I think he should stay as LTIR space. I don't want to see him in. Like it's, I think it's Angle or Brooks, and right now it's looking like Brooks is the better option. So it should, it should be interesting to see what the Leafs Brooks do. is the guy right now. If yeah. Riley Nash can get healthy and he's in the playoffs and he can give you just like the eight minutes of him, I, I would tend to guess that the Leafs will probably take a look at him because he's a really tough guy to play against and he's really well-respected around hockey. But sure. it's just you like we've talked about with everything is that it's really hard to project how guys respond to coming back after long layoffs like Freddie Anderson. Can you just drop into the highest of intensity games and <laughs> – be relied upon and if Nash can do that I think he gets a crack if he can't then yeah the Leafs probably are not going to roll chances on someone who's only at a iffy percentage yeah so what is so what does your ideal top six look like my ideal top six is probably putting Hyman next to Marner and Matthews and then putting Felino next to Tavares and Nylander I just well I like the idea of you putting all your best players on the with the best players And if you look at just the way the Leafs can kind of break down games in those scenarios, it's, well, that's 40 minutes of ice time. And now you've just got to get 10 minutes each from your bottom six parents, right? Your bottom six groups. It's not ideal. They don't have a ton of secondary scoring, but if Spezza, that Spezza Brooks Thornton line ends up working out, I think you should be able to have between Potentially Riley Nash, and I know that's a long stretch at this point, but a a potential for a line with Nash, Engvall, and Kerfoot that should be defensively responsible and should be able to eat some hard minutes against some better competition. And if that line works out, I think it really frees up things for your top six. Hyman down with the other group. Now, all of a sudden, what are you doing? You have to find more minutes from somewhere, right? Is he jumping up on your top six from time to time? Are you really going to trust Alex Galchenyuk to be a top six winger for you in the playoffs? Like he's only got eight points in 26 games and that's been playing with top end, like top end talent with him. Right. So to me, I just don't think you overthink it. You put your best players with the best players, you give them the most minutes and the other stuff, the secondary stuff, we tend to think about it a lot because the Leafs didn't have that last year in the playoffs. And so we think, well, they've got to have secondary scoring, secondary scoring. The big difference with the secondary scoring is going to be the second line that now splitting up Matthews and Tavares, not having that be a line like it was against Columbus is going to make the world of difference for you. Or you're supposed to go as far as those two go. If you're asking Hyman to drive a line, I don't think it's enough minutes for a guy who's too good. So to me, you load it up, you go top six, best six, everything else you just take and you say depth 
and you put them in the situations they're meant to be in, whether it's offensive zone draws for the Spezza line or defensive zone draws for what could be the Riley Nash line. But you you try and pick your spots. You try to be smart about it and give them 10 minutes-ish each. So now, now that I'm thinking about it, I think Brooks is the odd man out. I think he's the 13th forward because you have, let's say, your lines of Hyman, Matthews, Marner, uh, Felino, Taveras, Nylander. Your third line could be Mikheyev, Kerfoot, Simmons. Uh, then your fourth line is Spezza, Spezza, Thornton. Oh, I guess I guess Brooks would fit in there. You've got Brooks right now. The question comes down to between you and I is whether Riley Nash can get in and be effective. True. We both like we both like no Engvall essentially, and I like Adam yeah. as long as he's hot. And we both like him over Engvall. We both like him over Galchenya. That's basically the way that we're looking at it. Is those two guys look like they're bubble dudes? I know a lot of people are going to say, what, Galchenyuk's been up in the top six. How do you go top six out? I think he's one of those guys where if he's in that top six role, it's workable. And if he's not, then he's probably not in the lineup over any of the other guys, right? So Yeah, I think so. Right. There's a case probably like just overall talent-wise, is he better than Simmons? Is he better than Thornton? But they're not going to move away from those veterans, those guys that have been there from the outset to go with a guy like Galchenyuk. So... To me, it's, yeah, to me, it's just a matter of, do you like Brooks and can you trust Riley Nash and uh, is Pierre Engvall ever going to get a sniff again? And so for you and I, the answer is no. I have a question for you. Sure. With, with Galchenyuk, like you, I think you touched on it perfectly. Galchenyuk outside the top six is kind of obsolete. Like he's, he's there. He'll maybe get you a goal in the playoffs. Maybe. Uh, But yeah, he's, he's pretty much obsolete. He's not great on defense. He's really good in the top six not much out there do you put Galchenyuk in your top six and utilize like a Felino on your third line or a Hyman I don't love the idea of Hyman on the third line I think he's should be a bona fide top six guy but say Felino is on your third line then you can utilize Galchenyuk on that first or second line wherever you put him uh and still have him in the lineup producing and have Felino now on the third line because like Felino on a third line is pretty amazing like for a for a team like that's that's pretty good depth I do and I like it and I actually believe that if they are going to go with the Galchenyuk in the top six thing I'd rather have Hyman up and Felino down and that one of the cool things about getting him and the reason why I wanted him in the first place is that he's a super versatile guy who's going to do whatever it takes for the team to win so I've had former teammates of Felino's on. I've had Felino on a couple of times on the show. And pretty much everybody says the same thing, which is that guy will sacrifice to win. So if he needs less minutes, he will do it very, very happily. And I do not think that he's the player that Zach Hyman is right now. I guess it just comes down to whether or not you believe Galchenyuk is going to be able to do it in the high leverage, high intensity playoff games. And whether you really want to be playing him 17 minutes or if it's something where you're moving and juggling on the fly. I trust Sheldon Keefe a lot. I think that he's a very creative coach. I think that he's a forward thinking coach. I think he's not afraid to try new things, but for my money, as of right now, the way Galchenyuk is playing right now, he's got to do a lot better in order to lock up a spot in the top six. Again, I mentioned the points. He's been a minus in his last five games. You said the stuff about his defense, which is very true. That's not really a solid part of his game. And do you want to trust somebody who is not a complete player with 17-ish minutes a night in a playoff game? I don't know. 
And are you going to do that at the expense of someone like Felino? So he plays less or you have to be juggling them around or skipping a shift here or there for that guy. It's just, to me, it's, it's tough. And it's why this team is so interesting is because they're really not set in anything. You don't really know what they're going to do just about anywhere, except for the D pairings. And even now that's been thrown into flux with the Sandine stuff we talked about. So you can go from the top line down to the fourth line and you can still be making adjustments with who should be playing with who. And we're heading into the last eight games of the season. Plus they're the favorites and it's always, almost always good problems. That's what good depth is. And that's what of course the strong top is. So it just shows you kind of what a good place they're in that we're even having a discussion right now about who should be where and who could come this is in the biggest problem in Toronto. Right. right exactly. <laughs> that the biggest problem is that you got too many guys is like the best problem you can have in all professional sports. hundred percent. So that, okay. So this is, this has been a whirlwind of a week for Leafs fans. I think mm-hmm. Leafs and just Leafs in general. Uh, start of this week, a week ago today, uh, the world was crumbling. Mm-hmm. We just lost two, or I guess, by this time we wouldn't have lost the second one but we just lost two to vancouver the pandemic vancouver canucks mm-hmm. and then we go out and pretty much dominate winnipeg two yep. games in a row and we're fine do you think toronto fans put too much stock in the regular season games right now that mean not a lot yes right now we've already you and i talked about it They're, they don't matter yeah you were talking about resting the goalies the whole way through yeah the playoffs matter man they're at this point, they're at the same point as the Raptors were a couple of years ago with Kawhi, which is get guys healthy into the playoffs, but the regular season record doesn't really matter. You just got to make sure that you win, win, win when the games count, because that's the one thing that you haven't done. And the Raptors had at least gotten out of, you know, the first round, the second round, they had actually won playoff series before, but that's how you move the bar up to, Hey, you got to win a championship. And for the Toronto Maple Leafs this season, They've proven pretty conclusively in the That's North the Division. Well, yeah, that they're the best team. They're the best team in the North Division. If they yeah. lose to the Jets now in a series or the Habs or the Oilers, it's a pretty huge disappointment. So they've got to get to a conference final, and they've got to be competitive in that conference final. They might even have to win or else people are going to be disappointed now. So, yeah, they're an all-in win season. And so hand-wringing about stuff in the regular season is just natural. I don't mind people reacting to things that happen. We're obviously going to talk about stuff like the things that we've done so far, but yeah, ultimately there's nothing that's going to happen that will judge this team on the playoffs. Everybody knows that they're the best when they're at their best. It just comes down to whether or not they're going to be able to execute it when the games kind of shift and they get more intense and they get tighter checked and there's more attention to detail, whether or not their skill can really play out there. So you're right. Nothing else in the regular season really matters. Yeah, I think there's a reason uh, Amazon's following them around, writing a documentary called All or Nothing. This is the year we go, this is the year the Leafs are supposed to go for it. I think that this this has to be, I think you made a perfect point that even if we make, if we lose in the conference finals, like, yay, we won, but we didn't win at all. Like, people will still be pissed. People will still be pissed and there will still be heartbreak across the country of Leafs fans you know but yes I I agree that people put too much stock into it and I and I fall for this quite a bit like I was pretty devastated after the two losses to Vancouver you know you you just can't have that be happening like every year every year Toronto seems to have that one loss that is just unacceptable you can't have that you know so it's but that's it you start to build up these calluses as a fan right so even though 
you are a younger fan and even though it's been much better for you you are used to having these moments and like you said you you get defensive and these old feelings start to bubble up and you're worried that it's the same as it was before so you act like it was before and you let history bleed in but that's what's also fun about being a fan of a franchise that matters and that's what's fun about being a fan of a team that does have a history is that you can lean on things and things do stay connected and you are a little bit more passionate about the group. So it's, it's got, it's good, but it's also got, or sorry, it's got, it's bad, but it's also got, it's good. Yeah. I think as much as we like to panic a lot as fans, this is, we're in a great situation right now. Absolutely. The amount of times we've lost, we, we haven't fallen that fallen out of uh, first place in the North division since the second week of the season. Which how great is that? Dominantly destroying this division. Yep. No. Nope. Like we are currently six points ahead of the next best team. That right. would just be twice in a row and dominant in dominant fashion as well. And like, super easy. And it was super, super, super easy. I mean, we can't be Ottawa or like Vancouver, but that's okay. <laughs> we can't be the teams. We always play down to teams. That that's the most frustrating part of for me. We always play down to teams, and we never can beat Ottawa, which is also very frustrating. As a, as a Leafs fan living in Ottawa. But yeah, I think we're in a great situation right now. This could potentially be the greatest, could potentially be the greatest Leafs team of all time. Could be. Yeah, I think. Win, but could be. I think we're watching the greatest Leaf of all time in Austin Matthews. I think we are too. You know, like we're, this is a special moment. We're, we're witnessing history right now. And I think the Leafs, it's, it's going to be interesting playoffs. It's, it's all going to matter about the playoffs. Like, we go out in that first round this season does regular whatever that. whatever happens in the regular season doesn't matter we could have won every game if we lose in the first round season sucked yep so i think i think it's going to be very interesting to see what the leafs do in the playoffs and uh speaking of playoffs uh montreal what what's happening i thought i thought you were, i thought they were guaranteed locks like i thought it was toronto montreal edmonton winnipeg and Calgary just showed up and yeah. don't forget about me. And yeah. I think it just shows you how that class of teams below the Leafs is pretty mediocre. Yeah. And they're all kind of the same team in the sense of they could all get hot for a little while, but they can all go super cold for a little while, but nobody really did anything to make it definitive. But I hope that we get Montreal, Toronto. I really do. Yeah. Um, be fun. It's just such a classic thing and getting to see those uniforms on the ice and games that matter. And I think the Leafs will win. So I really have a, an added stake of wanting to be able to needle my friends about it who are Habs fans <laughs> yeah, uh, and be able to have that over their heads till hopefully the day that I die. But I just, I think it's better for hockey if we get a classic matchup like that. I think it's good for both fan bases. It's great when they engage with one another, the two biggest ones. And if you can get that, that's great. And it's no slight to Calgary, but and, and they're making a push right now, but to me, neither team necessarily like deserves anything. If Montreal falls out of it, that sucks. But they, I think that they're the better team right now. I think that they're the stronger team. I think that they're the deeper team. I think that they have the higher ceiling with their blue line and their goaltending. Like if I was actually telling you right now as a Leafs fan, who I would rather face, it would be Calgary because I think that Toronto would 100% beat them. But if you're asking me, who I want them to face. I want them to have more of a challenge in Montreal. I think that will, that will bode well for them. It will bode well for hockey. It will bode well for their chances moving down the line. Yeah. So I have a question for you. Sure. Second round, let's say yep. Montreal would be Montreal handedly four sweep. Amazing. Everything's great. 
we find. Who, who's your ideal matchup in the second round? Oilers. Because, again, I like to think about stuff like, one, I think the Leafs would pound them in the sand. I, I just, the Oilers are just the best matchup for Toronto. There's a better goalie in Winnipeg. He's scarier. But also, it would be really, really cool to have Connor McDavid versus Austin, Austin Matthews, Matthews seven yeah. game series, you know, like it really would be. And as scary as Connor McDavid is, and as much as I would be terrified every time he's out on the ice and he's going to give heart palpitations and you'd be looking at me like, JD, why did you ask for this? And I would say at the time when it's happening, I would go, I'm sorry, Jack. I'm sorry that I ever said that we should, but I just think the Leafs are better and I think they're deeper. And even with Connor McDavid, that that's a really, really flawed Oilers team with suspect goaltending suspect blue line suspect forward depth so i think toronto beats them i think it's better for hockey i think it's cool to have a rivalry between the two best players in hockey matthews and mcdavid so you just look at what i think would be most entertaining and what would be best for the leafs and the game in general to me it's that one so give me give me montreal first round edmonton second round that's the best case scenario how about that yeah i think i i'd like to play edmonton because yeah you know but what is I, I? I'm very interested to see what Edmonton would do. Do you stack up the first line of Dry Saddle, Matthews, Yamamoto, or do you try to show some semblance of depth and uh, put Dry Saddle on the second line? But like, as soon as you do that, like Toronto will destroy you. Yeah, I think they're gonna. I think that they would probably do both in that series because Toronto again. Yeah. I think Toronto beats them and then they get desperate and they switch to the other thing. So you end up getting, but that like the options of both, those guys are going to play together. They're going to play a part and they're going to be terrifying, but everything else you kind of feel good about. I think Edmonton pulls a Toronto last year of what they did last year. And they had their lineup uh, and they had like depth until they got nervous and put everyone on the first line. Yep. You know, and I think as soon as you do that, you're kind of tapping out. So. I, it, it should be interesting to see and uh, a good friend of the show and he comes on the show like all the time diehard Oilers fan my best friend so that'd be that'd be fun to beat them too just to that would be really fun. put that's that in his face about. that's what it's all about rubbing exactly. that that's what this is all for yeah so what do you think of the 11 UFAs this year 11 UFAs I believe it is I, I don't know you're t- I, you tell me that the I Leafs think it's run? 11 UFAs that the Leafs have hmm that they have going that they signed this season. Yeah, that I think expire this season. I, I have it right here. God, they've got Freddie. Like, here's the thing. They only have a couple that matter. They've got True. Dermot. They've got Anderson. They've got Hyman. The other guys, I'm sure it's like Thornton, Simmons, Galchenyuk. Yeah, Lito. yeah. So I think that, and Spezza. So I think the Leafs will re-sign Spezza to that same minimum deal. They might even re-sign Felino to a cheap deal. If oh, I love it that. Out, that would be great. If they could get him on the Simmons money, I think they do that. I'm not sure they bring back Simmons. We'll see how he looks in the playoffs, but he kind of looks shot to me. And I love the guy, but he hasn't been the same since he hurt his hand. If he comes back for a veteran minimum, I think you do it, but he's a little bit on the bubble. I don't think Joe Thornton comes back. I think that his career is over at the end of the season. He's pretty old, and it's hard to envision a full 82-game season with Joe. And how do you come back after winning the cup? Like, that's just the perfect yeah, setup. Exactly. That's right. Uh, Hyman is the big interesting one because how much money is he going to command? The Leafs have to make sure they re-sign Hyman. Mm-hmm. And to me, Freddie Anderson is probably gone because he's going to command too much money. And if they keep Dermot, 
I think that means that they're looking at trading Riley because they got too many guys who are left shot D. Mm. Well, they have Rasmus Sandin coming up. And that's what's so interesting yeah. about the Sandin thing is if mm-hmm. Sandin looks like a top four defenseman, they're already committed to Muzzin. He's a different kind of defenseman than they have in Riley and Sandin. You're going to want to keep him. So what do you do moving forward? Do you keep all these like left shot guys and just hope it kind of works out? Or do you try to capitalize on a trade with Morgan Riley as he's entering a free agent year and, yeah. and get something back for him so that you can also maintain flexibility. But really to me, the off season comes down to free agents and everything else is kind of secondary. It's like, what happens with Freddie Anderson? Do they resign him? Do they try and make something work? Does he prove it through the playoffs? Is there anything he can do? And two is how much is Zach Hyman going to ask for? Cause if Zach Hyman wants, you know, over $6 million, do you give that to him? Do you say no? It's just, it's tough. It's really, really tough. Yeah, I don't. I think if he gets six million dollars, it won't be with the Leafs, which really? is unfortunate. Uh, I really tough time seeing. I I think a big bargaining chip that the Leafs will have is term with Hyman because they can they are very willing to pay him for let's say he might get six somewhere, mm-hmm. but like only for two years because he has a right. very the way he plays. He's probably not going to have a lot a lot of longevity in this league, especially where he's already uh, sniffing thirty. So I think. If the Leafs can four for four, I think that could be a big bargaining chip. Because because sure. I think and point, but <laughs> yeah, he's, he's not taking four. He's yeah, not. Maybe I think that's being optimistic. Yeah, I. Yeah. But another thing, and Ben brought this up when I was interviewing him of Toronto. Uh, there's a lot of marketing here, and there's a lot sure of is. media and advertising. You can sign a deal like that. You could sign five deals, and you'd make the contract. You would you'd make that money back that you contract, you'd get San Jose or somewhere you'd go, you know, like, so it should be interesting. I'm, I'm a little Just worried. I remember that those same arguments were made for Matthews and Marner and Nylander and none of them took discounts. True. But I also think, yeah, yeah, I guess so. True. That's true. But I mean, bargaining for $4 million or, or $5 million players, a lot different than bargaining for a $12 million player. There is. So but you think it, it that he feels like he's less important to the team right now than Nylander? Like, you get to pick one of those guys to go into a playoff game tomorrow. Only one. Are you taking Hyman or are you taking Nylander? No, this, this might be a bold take. I'm taking Hyman. Yeah, I would take Hyman. Playoff Heim- game? I'm taking Hyman. That's what I'm saying is that Nylander makes $7 million. So why wouldn't Hyman? Hey, true. That's true. Yeah. Tough, right? And- yeah, it is. And I think I also- he needs to want to take less and he needs to want the term. And a lot of things you said are very right, but it's just, I think whenever we make assumptions about the market and what guys are going to be willing to take, sometimes it backfires. And sometimes we're not sure exactly what these guys use as negotiating tools. Plus also like, it's not just about the money, right? It's not just about the extra money. It's about the respect and knowing that you're appreciated the same way by your team and your front office as other guys. Right. So yeah. We'll see how it plays out, but it, that's the big story. It's like, to me, it's not what happens with Galchenyuk or Dermot or yeah. our and guys you can replace pretty easily with other veteran minimum guys. It's what do you, what happens to one of your best six players, one of your best seven players in Zach Hyman? How do you make that work? Yeah. Another thing to take into account is the Seattle Kraken expansion happening sure. here. I see them taking Hall. I probably, yeah, like, cause you gotta, Unless they do the eight forward thing, but I doubt they. Well, I I actually could see them doing the eight forward thing because they have just a ton of UFA's this year, so maybe they go with, 
you protecting Matthews, Tavares, Marner, Nylander, Kerfoot. Oh, you're not protecting Kerfoot. You're hoping desperate. Oh, I guess so, yeah. You're hoping like crazy. The Leafs might even give up draft picks to Seattle for them to take Kerfoot. Really? I, I'm a yeah. fan of Kerfoot. I like fine. It's just it's three and a half million dollars. Remember, it's mm-hmm. like we're talking about Hyman potentially getting seven. That's half of the money that you would need to free up for Hyman and like immediately off the books. So Kerfoot's a fine player. It's just that he got paid $2 million a season more. And sometimes when guys come in under the circumstances like he did, which is like getting traded for like an all-time Leafs great, you, uh, you, have a, you have a harder time doing it. So I, I think that they would really, 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 really try hard to move Kerfoot off of the team. And it's not because he sucks. It's just because he makes too much money for what this team needs. I, I think you're right. Um, it should be interesting to see because you got Bogosian probably gone, especially gone. At, or at least coming back at seven, not one million. Uh, Hutton gone. Uh, I doubt he plays a game for the Leafs, and that's okay. Um, you got Lillian coming in the lineup, hopefully next year. Standing, maybe Matt Hallwell. I doubt it, but maybe Matt Hallwell can get some shots at the end of the year. It's it's gonna be interesting. There's going to be quite a bit of turnover, but I think as long as you have that core intact, Toronto's always going to be a contender. Absolutely. Yeah, and I think as long as – I think until – what years do they all expire? I think until 2023, 2024, the Leafs Mm -hmm. will be a contender, at least. I think so, too. Yeah. So it's an exciting time to be a Leaf fan right now. It is, man. Very exciting time. Yeah. So, yeah, it's it's going to be interesting to see what they do. They have a lot. I don't envy Kyle Dubas, not going to lie. I do when he's getting fitted for his Stanley Cup ring this year. True. Yeah. That's true. What did you think of the uh, the uh, lightning rings? I didn't see them. I'll be honest. I didn't see them. I don't – like, if, I'm sure if I did, I just kind of forgot it. But they always get more and more gaudy every year. Like, yeah. and bigger and bigger and flashier and flashier and – Guys don't ever really wear them. They put them in safety deposit boxes. And the guys who usually do wear them are guys that were only on the team for like a one year stint and then they keep them. But uh, yeah, I just, I always think if I had one, I would keep it. Um, But uh, it's hard to imagine ever wearing them. So, but yeah, I, 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 I'm more of a fan of just keeping it as a keepsake somewhere in your house rather than on your hand and walking around with it. And this might just be because I'm not like a super athlete, like any of the NHLers, but if I want a ring, like I'm showing everyone, yo, I got a Stanley cup ring. Of course. But if here's the thing though, if you win in Toronto, then everybody's going to remember anyways for the rest of the time. You don't need to wear anything. You got to, you just have to mask. I was a leaf. (laughs) Exactly. That's right. Everyone will remember you. That's the benefit of winning here. Yeah. I think the ring, they had like the cup, like switches. So like you can move it and like, Oh, that's cool. So it's like a town shows up. And so, yeah, it's cool. It's, it's just a thing. That's a cool detail though. That's a cool detail. Yeah. It's going to be so, it's going to be so amazing when we win the cup. Yeah, I agree. Phenomenal. So uh, what, have, what have you thought of like the whole, how the NHL has handled this whole season? It's been great. They've done a really, really great job. They had tough circumstances. They've navigated them well. They've had some real challenges with some teams having some outbreaks, but they've come out of them. Then looks like they're going to get all of these games in. I don't want to jinx it now, but 
looks like it's going to happen. I think that a lot of the players are open to vaccines. It hasn't been perfect. Like you saw what Robin Leonard said the other day about how they haven't been given the opportunities that they thought we were going to get after vaccinations, but, and they've still got the hurdle of what they're actually going to do with the Canadian teams and when they get to the playoffs and how they handle the rest. But for the most part, you just, you have to look at things as not, was it a hundred percent of success or was it a hundred percent failure, but overall, did they do a good job overall? Are you happy that you got to watch NHL hockey, that it was as safe as it could be, that they invested a lot of money into making sure that it was safe and that the product was there for fans and was the product pretty good. And I would say overall that they did a really, really great job. And it's pretty incredible that they've navigated this all this, the way that they have. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. I had a great time. Oh, man. Hey, good for you for doing this. Like, this is really cool that you're already trying to get these reps in. I would tell you that um, it takes a while to get good at being comfortable on a microphone. Yeah. And the more you do this, the better you will get. And it's a crazy, crazy, crazy head start for you. So keep doing it, man. You, awesome. You've got some skills, so keep it up. Thank you so much. And uh, before we let you go, do you want to plug your social medias? Oh yeah, sure. It's just at JD Bunkus on all platforms. Awesome. Perfect. I don't have Thank TikTok. you so much. Sorry, I will never TikTok. You don't have TikTok. No, I, I will never TikTok. Never I will never TikTok. Yeah. Ruling that out of the picture. It's out. TikTok's out. If you see me on TikTok, things got bad, things got south, or someone else is doing it. It's not me. I, I'm out. I'm not on TikTok. Fair enough. I'll well, leave that to you so guys much. in your generation. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. And thank you to you, the oh, listener, uh, for giving us a listen. Uh, go follow us on our Instagram at blue, uh, blue underscore line underscore report and on our Twitter at blue line with JB. Really appreciate you. And uh, we'll see you next week. Bye. See you. Hey, thanks for having me, buddy. Hey, thanks.